This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Mr. Hamilton, how are you? You never ever learn to, to to bring the the challenge coin, do you? Dude, leave it alone, all right? <laughs> <laughs> how many drinks do you owe now? You think you'd be safe in your own home, right? You think you're like, okay, you know, I'm safe, but nope. We've yeah, been friends. You can't leave we, it alone. We've been friends long enough. You should know that, that I'm going to take every chance I get to get a free drink. Right? <laughs> yeah, I owe you a <laughs> bottle or two now. I think, unfortunately, I'm good, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Uh, so that was an awesome episode. Stuff. Hey uh the last one this one which one this last one with, with trev oh yeah yeah dude he, uh, so knowledgeable and the, the neat thing with this episode with trev you know we talked taxidermy and he he lives that experience he's a sheep hunter so you know he, he's using his uh his experience on the mountain and his experience in the shop to give us the best possible scenario in terms of prepping and being ready for your your hunt right so yeah yeah the uh, real world real world application is so so invaluable and uh, like like i said before before we started recording i've I've skinned a ton of animals for for taxidermy and i i learned something every time i talk to trev about this just the like i said the real world application of little tips and tricks that he'll get into is like oh i never even thought of that and Mm -hmm. i'm sure anybody no matter how many times they've been up the mountain is going to learn something from this episode and I'm, i'm stoked for it well, it's interesting that we just recorded an hour and 25 minutes long. So it's a long episode and you think, holy, that's a long one to listen to. But the reality is, is um, we probably could have talked for two and a half hours. Um, we kept it fairly high level and it's just super interesting and everything, you know, like I said, me too, same thing. I've got a little bit of background putting animals on the ground and I've learned three or four uh, things that'll take away from this, you know. So it's not just for the new hunter, mm-hmm. it's for anyone that's, um, you know, on the mountains. There's just some new ways of doing things and thinking about and thinking it from a taxidermist perspective, uh, and like I said, the cool thing with Trev is he's a sheep hunter too, so he's he's giving you both sides of it, mm-hmm. um, which I think was there's a lot of value there. So. Oh yeah, just like I said, such a great dude. We've been friends for a few years now, and like I said, every time we chat when it comes to taxidermy, it's just damn it, I never even would have thought of that. Like it's just so many tips and tricks, and I'm I'm gonna apply them this this September. Hopefully, anyway. Yeah, hopefully on a on a big ass caribou. That's what uh, I'd love to see I, that, and maybe a sheep too, right? I'm, so. I'm not picky, just something. Yeah, awesome. So, um, okay, so a couple things just from a wild sheep side of things. We had our AGM on uh, Saturday, June twelfth. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, was good. We had a nice turnout. Uh, we got our elections done. And sorry, folks, you're stuck with me as your president again. So, uh, um, I, I ran. Uh, 
um, against nobody. So I had the odds were in my favor, but uh, <laughs> I, I do have to say, I just want to say from a personal perspective that it truly is an honor to be uh, back in, in this role as president. Uh, and I want to thank uh, David Heitzman for his leadership this past year. Uh, David stepped in last year and, and shepherded the uh, society uh, to new heights, right? And I'm I'm honored to be back in this position and to take over from David and uh, really looking forward to be, you know, uh, leading this great team. We got such a great team of directors and executive and committee members and, and, you know, the support from our membership. So I'm really excited about 21, 22, Steve. Oh, absolutely. And uh, congratulations again for, for not only uh, running unopposed and getting in, but you're a great <laughs> fit. You're, you're a great fit. We've, we've been friends for years and we've worked together as, with you as uh, president before. And it's just, I, I'm stoked for 2021. And uh, yeah, we're, we're going to hit new heights of the Alpine as we like to say in the intro to this. And yeah, we've got, got some new people uh, in and some, some old people that uh, did, did a lot that have stepped back and just, yeah, it's 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 an exciting time to be a Wild Sheep Society member for sure. Absolutely, yeah, and you know you bring up that point. And David Hale uh, stepped down as our, off our board this year, and I just uh, you know a huge shout out and thank you to David. David's done a ton this past year. Um, he's stepping back because he's got some stuff going on that he he needs to deal with before he can get back in. But I I don't think this is the last we've seen of David, and I just want to no. thank him for his support and dedication this past year. So yeah, really stoked uh, about the year ahead. Um, now, with regards to the episode, uh, we are all the way up to episode 33, lucky number 33. Um, really appreciate all our listeners and all their support, um, everything they're doing to to grow this podcast and to support the society. Uh, this is a fantastic episode with, uh, it's Trevor Carruthers. He's the owner of Rackmaster Taxidermy, life member of the Wild Sheep Society BC, huge proponent, donates a lot to wild sheep conservation in the province. And uh, this is going to be a, a great episode. So episode... Award, award winning too, isn't he? President's Award. Absolutely. Trev was the 2020 uh, President's Award winner. Uh, he's also the organizer of the Wild Sheep Jurassic Classic and has just done a ton of work for wild sheep conservation on the volunteer end of things. And uh, and also he's donating every year to the society in, in all the work that he does as well. So yeah, we're super grateful for ever, everything Trevor does. Uh, owner of Rackmaster Tra- uh, Taxidermy. T- check him out on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, enjoy episode 33 with Trevor Carruthers. If you looked up the words conservation superhero in the dictionary, you would see a picture of our friend Omer from Precision Optics, a tireless donor and supporter of all things wild sheep. Precision Optics, located in Quinell, British Columbia, truly stands alone in the high alpine. From optics to rifles to outdoor gear and a knowledge that cannot be surpassed, toss in that killer smile and you have a total conservation package. Precision Optics, we are truly thankful for the support you show us every step of the way. Find them online at precisionoptics.net or in Aroma Foods, located just off Highway 97 in Quinell, B. So today on the show, we're going to jump into a bunch of taxidermy stuff. Um, you know, on Talk of Sheep, a lot of people are, are, are looking for how-to stuff. And uh, I thought this would be a great opportunity to sit down with you. You're a sheep hunter at heart. So you know, this would be a great opportunity for you to kind of talk about, you know, uh, right from planning your trip to executing on the field, you know, being successful on the hunt, whether it be a, a full mount, a shoulder mount, whatever the case, Euro, I guess, in theory. And then, um, you know, what happens when you bring it home, how to prepare it for your taxidermist, but kind of more of a how-to nuts and bolts 
for kind of a sheep hunter. And, you know, obviously there's the new sheep hunter, which is really going to benefit. But I know even myself, who's been in the field quite a bit, not not a ton, but I'm still learning tons every year. But, um, you know, I always pick up stuff and I, I hear stuff from you. You post stuff on social, other taxidermists. So, yeah, I think that's what we're going to really focus on today is just kind of the, the real how-to nuts and bolts. More from a sheep hunter perspective, not from a taxidermist perspective. But I think you bring that flavor where you you got both, right? So I think it'll be really beneficial. Yeah, looking forward to it. Right on. Okay, so before we do that, uh, not only are you um, a, a valued government employee and uh, you are um, you're uh, a taxidermist by uh, by trade as well, but uh, you're also the lead on the Wild Sheep Jurassic Classic. So um, pretty excited this year. Actually, it's looking good for maybe having an event. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on with the Jurassic and give our listeners an update. I know some of uh, our listeners attend the Jurassic and we're always talking about it. So j let's jump into some Jurassic stuff. Yeah, you bet. Uh, well, uh, it was a, it was a rough year with uh, canceling it. I think when March rolled around last year, we thought we would have been, missed, but uh, here we are 460 days later. And uh, this year uh, in the last, started feeling really hopeful that uh, we were going to put an event together. We, I know we started talking uh, back in April, May about possibilities and whether uh, the border would be open and whether American guests were going to be able to come up and social gathering and just, just everything that kind of do an event like the Jurassic Classic and with uh, the Scott from GRBC and Dee from Great River Fishing uh, and some news in the media every day in regards to our social distancing and uh, border possibly opening vaccinated folks and how that looks but uh, we're rolling we're rolling full steam uh, it will be a full of just with uh, where we're getting to in the season and, and some people's plans, but so far our response has been really, really good. Uh, people are really looking forward to just coming together uh, and spending some, some time together. Uh, the fishing obviously is always amazing part of it, but but people, I know I miss that. Together with everyone uh, on a weekend and just, just telling stories, uh, laughing and hearing about the it's after wild sheep so so yeah we're uh probably see some releases in the next you know two to three weeks uh once july 1st rolls around and we have a bit of a, uh, what both provincial and uh, look like uh but we are full steam ahead with really really good sponsor support uh which has been amazing to just to jump right back in uh, have, have great sponsor support and we're gonna have this. yeah right on man so um yeah that's one thing i've noticed too is the sponsors are really keen to get on board they really want to support um our conservation initiatives and um so that's really exciting um now in terms of the event itself is it going to look different than past years uh like obviously there's still the covid's hanging around and you're talking about social distancing and that um what's your gut feeling there and i know we don't know exactly we don't have all the answers and we're trying to work that out but um, you know, I guess one of the cool things with Jurassic, it's you're outdoors, right? The event itself is held outdoors. Of course, you know, you eat inside and that sort of stuff, but do, do you see a big difference there or how does that look to you, Trev? 
I, I don't see a giant difference. Uh, I think I think ironically we're on that number that'll be interesting. Everybody talks about the the fifty number in terms of gatherings inside. That's uh, for canopy species reopening plan and whatnot. Uh, Fifty six participants plus you know our. Uh, uh, you and I and uh, and and the Dean's crew. Um, so yeah, maybe a few indoor uh, things, you know, some uh, COVID safety plans and and whatnot. Yeah, I don't see I don't see much much difference from other years, which is is really you know the, like you said the bulk of the event. Uh, and I think we're going to be able to uh, maneuver easily enough around any gatherings by then. Um, uh, a lot of it is still waiting to be announced. Is a little bit of a hesitation. Uh, if, if things go as as, uh, yeah, I think the event's going to look great. And the chance for the get be high as other years. Um, Sidetrack a little or move around. Make sure that we're not, uh, we don't have too many people indoors. Um, I don't think it'll take away from the, the pros away the cons. And the yeah, right on, man. You know, that's one of the things that, you know, we talked about on that call with Dean, uh, obviously yourself, Dean and uh, Scott was, you know, just let's get the family back together. With as a wild sheep family, we've been hiding in our homes and trying to connect online. And um, you know, it might not be the perfect experience, but it's going to be an experience where we're together. And um, you know, it's certainly going to be better than a virtual event. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Uh, appreciate all the hard work you're doing, and uh, you know, see these things come together and these sponsors stepping up. And um, yeah, I'm super stoked. So it's going to be a great weekend on the on the Fraser River. So. For, for those people that are listening that don't know what the Jurassic Classic is, can one of you give a Cole's notes of what it is and how it came to be? Don't you have to go back to like episode uh, and re-listen to that all over again? just to, you, no. you would, but... A, a yeah, you of, would. You would, but no. nobody's going to. They've already fast-forwarded through my part here. Getting this. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, is a collaborative event with uh, Wild Sheep Foundation, Wild Sheep Society BC, uh, all uh, together without the support of uh, Dean Work and Great River Adventures, we wouldn't be very much. But it's uh, it's essentially Dean Work's uh, crew, uh, fully guided of sturgeon fishing on the Fraser River. We sell uh, uh, at Wild Sheep events and gets uh, some ST SCI chapters, some, uh, fishing game chapters throughout Canada and North America and the United States. Sell them at Sheep Show, and uh, and we've done some mark. So and people come in teams of two for the entire weekend. Twentieth uh, this year, but third weekend in August every year. They show up on the Friday after, and uh, we put on a full weekend where they don't very much. So they have two days of full of fishing. Uh, we have a we have a fundraiser uh, awards band. We have a guide auction and a get together on the Friday. Hospitality suite is never very popular with our guests, so it's uh, usually pretty empty. <laughs> but uh, our weekend is is just show up and don't think of anything else other than having fun, catching 
giant sturgeon uh, was in uh, in BC and uh, we put over a hundred thousand dollars for wild sheep in, in the four years that we've operated this will be and uh, this will be our fifth year uh, running really really cool event. lots of stuff online about us I joke about we uh, we did one of the earlier talk of sheeps I don't know which one and somewhere in there, and uh, Dean is, is the man to really understand his fishery. I think the one key takeaway here for anyone that doesn't know a thing about Jurassic is uh, these trips sell across North America, some of them sell north of five grand for two people, and you think two days of fishing for five grand that's ridiculous. Uh, and I would agree with you, it's ridiculous, but this is not a fishing trip. Um, that's the big difference between Jurassic and a regular fishing trip. This is the who's who's, the bee's knees of the wild sheep community. We come together from all across North America. Um, you get the CEO of the Wild Sheep Foundation show up. You get uh, names in the sheep hunting community that you recognize online. Um, and you just get the regular Joe, but super passionate about conservation, wild sheep. And uh, it is just... Uh, it's kind of a meeting of people that are super passionate about wild sheep and conservation. And that feeling throughout the weekend, it energizes me. It keeps me going all year because it's such an eclectic group of people, but we're all driven by the same thing. And it's about, you know, making sheep are staying. We're keeping them on the mountain. We're putting them on the mountain. And it's just, it's so much excitement and so much energy for wild sheep. It's, it's indescribable, right? So um, people pay a premium for it. And it's, it's not just a weekend of fishing, right? No, exactly. If I wasn't putting it on, I go up because I am most certainly not the who's who's or the need. So I'm just lucky enough <laughs> that uh, I continue to show up because, like you said, what we have there is uh, oh, there's people that are trying to get there and looking at any opportunity to try to. Just, uh, I'm just a lucky grunt that uh, happens to. Uh, bump elbows with people that are so passionate about wild sheep, which is which is awesome. Yeah, well said, Trev. Yeah, and can't thank you enough for everything that you continue to do and and how you drive that fundraiser. It's so much fun. So, um, all right, so let's get to your second passion and let's talk taxi. Um, so, um, Rackmaster Taxidermy, you've been in the business a long time. Um, I know that you're turning people away. You're a busy guy with all this. Um, so today let's jump into the, the nuts and bolts of it. And I think Trev, um, I'll kind of lead you guide me, but, um, you know, my thoughts are, or guide us, but you know, my thoughts are, let's start like at the planning stage, like a guy's thinking about, or a girl's thinking about getting out in the bush, um, maybe going to plan a sheep hunt for this fall. Um, and it's probably getting a bit late. They probably have planned this already, but you know, you're in the planning stages. So, somebody's thinking about going sheep hunting, what do they need to think about with regards to taxidermy and, and what should be kind of their first steps in that process? Yeah, it's never too late to start planning. That's uh, the important part. I get people out like supposed to do in August and whatnot. And uh, people think is, is not planning at all. Either don't plan for success and that general hunting terms as well. There's a lot of people that just uh, they, they go out on a hunt and uh, they hope for success. But if you plan, kind of hit the uh, checkpoint and 
on what you should be bringing, uh, how you're going to do things after you uh, are successful and, and you're ready for it. Um, there's a ton of uh, resources out there on the internet, uh, some of them better than others. And you and I talked about it you know, a couple of days ago when we chatted about me coming on here is that some of the stuff, the best is in person. The second best is uh, you know, like a webinar where you can really see what I'm talking about uh, with specifics. And I'm not too much into some of those specifics that won't make a ton of sense. There are some good videos out there with some deer capability. There's a, the um, and different taxidermists that have done seminars and whatnot are, are some of your best experience. But yeah, planning, trying to absorb all that and understanding, creating a list on what you need to bring. Um, the some of the extra things that you're going to carry that uh, you have if you're watching uh, every every hour. Um, and understanding the importance of it uh, for you know the quality of the the product. And I tell people that you know if you put the time in to worry, once you are done, you should also uh, put the same time and energy into what you. Okay. That's easy for me to say as a taxidermist, but um, most people that are sheep and goat hunting hunting uh, want something as well as the meat, and that's uh, not that it's a trophy hunt, but it is animal that won't be uh, won't be. So I know I can almost remember the last time I to get stone sheep meat out of my freezer. I can remember I went out. Oh, that's the last one. Uh, but I have something to look at every, uh, every day, uh, remind me of the hunt, remind me of the training, uh, that, uh, seated and, uh, and, and had some laughs along the way and, uh, swore a little bit along the way. And, uh, and that is, uh, to put together that, uh, that part, it's, it's uh, without really good prep, no different than to drop off a bunch of meat that's been in the dirt and hasn't been uh, put in game bag and trying to hope that a butcher is going to be able to do something to make that next year of meals or, or two years for you. Um, yeah. Sort of, uh, the, way I, the way I look at it. Right on, man. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. So now you talked about what's in your pack, right? So, and, and you're a sheep hunter. You've uh, a successful sheep hunter. You're no longer part of the less than one. Um, what What are some of the things that you're thinking about um, when you're and and I like I like hearing your perspective because you get both sides of it. You get the stuff you need to do a really good job as a tax or, or as a in the field with caping and all that sort of stuff. So what tools do you need in there? And then I guess really um, the big thing for guys planning is his salt. How much salt do you need? Um, and, and maybe let's touch a little bit on the shoulder mount, which is, you know, 90, probably 95% or 99% of what guys do. And then for the odd person that maybe is thinking, you know, maybe they got a big Ram targeted or whatever, and they're going to go in the back country and, and, do a, a full full mount so what are you thinking in terms of gear um when you're putting together your pack for the fall uh, what i do is i bring i bring one and that's a, a cape bag i always have a cape bag, bag with me yeah. it's almost always just a, an extra type of uh 
Chinese. So I'll use a caribou or a big bag. Uh, bag. I have used, uh, you know, used a feed bag. Uh, also works really well. Durlap. Um, even, even the cheesecloth ones, ones that are really thick are pretty decent for, for cape uh, uh, preparation. Holding a cape. Uh, you want something that can get into that a little bit later of why it needs to be able to, to leak uh, and let water. Um, bring uh, Havilon uh, uh, in the blade knife. I, I like... I am a little bit old school and that I really like a small little caping knife that I hone up throughout the process. Um, if you're not comfortable, a little caping knife, Avalon is uh, pretty hard to beat if you're, if you're handy with it. Uh, for getting in uh, the work after the cape is on the uh, earth animal. Three or four blades is probably uh, that's not the taxidermist in me talking. That's the in me that knows that I don't need to carry more than than I uh, need to. So I would use a, a fixed blade knife for until I got back to to cape that animal. Probably back at your uh, at your tent the next morning, and that and there's no real point in using Avalon throughout everything unless all you're carrying. Uh, obviously, you've got. Uh, a sharpener, obviously, if you're uh, if you're going the play knife for a little caper and a sharpener, you can sharpen a little caper on. I have a caper that's like uh, oh, it's the size of kind of my first knuckle almost. So it's a little tiny. To, uh, make sure you know what you're doing to sharpen that thing up because some sharpeners are a little trickier to uh, to sharpen a little knife. Uh, and uh, backpack hunt is. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, five, six day hunt. Uh, Twelve to fourteen day hunt. Um, I am almost always bringing a seven hundred and ten milliliter Gatorade bottle full of salt. Uh, some people a little bit less, and some people use a five hundred and some odd milliliter. Uh, yeah. Hey, that that one right there. That's Steve Hamilton. So, um, and. Uh, Find that that 10 is a little bit of a mix. That's the copper. Salt is probably as probably perfect. If I could convince, that'd be great. But 710 those bottles, they are durable enough uh, that you don't have to worry about them. They're salt in there to do everything you need uh, for salting on a cape. Um, and if you have each one of you carrying one of them, one goat, etc. Hunting uh, for the remainder of your trip, so you're not having to go uh, back down to a base camp or a river or a lake where you were dropped off for more salt. Um, you can often you can often share that salt base camp or spike camp uh, with without uh, worrying about salt on that one because packing straight out. So it allows you to to lengthen out your hunt, spread out that salt. Best thing about it, if you are successful, 710 milliliters of salt and walk out empty. Uh, it, you have an extra water bottle 
what's you know, actually successful because it's just great to have uh, their light. Um, you know, guys weigh, uh, weigh how much salt they bring. Um, but that's just about the perfect amount. Fine salt. Don't buy, uh, you know, something that's really salt that you can really uh, get into every little and, uh, and let it go a long ways. Rock salt a long ways when you're using that big heavy duty stuff. And that in terms of uh, cape prep, guys are thinking about what they're going to do to get their meat out safely. Like regular table salt type stuff, like the stuff you can buy at Costco or whatever? I can buy it in a, like I buy it a 20 kg uh, white salt. Salt uh, will work. You sometimes pay for uh, iodized salt versus not. And it is not going to uh, break. Just going, you know, go into a farm store and you want to. Uh, you're going to need enough that you have uh, anyway, so back at your truck if you're hiking off the highway. or And, and in that case, I tell people to just small uh, the small Home Depot bucket. So Home Depot has like two size buckets. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how many that one is, uh, how big that one is. Fill one of those up, smash a lid on it, and... Uh, scoop or something that you can use once you get back down to um and and i leave that wherever i route so you aren't you worrying about a bag of salt sitting like uh and again you then you then have a bucket you're gonna you can use you know for packing out different things flying out or driving home uh so i always leave that much uh back at uh back. day hunts obviously different we're not we're I'm talking. That's uh, you know, to uh, to a freezer somewhere, and then that changes the whole game. So, right on, man. So, just a couple things. You're 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 always carrying two knives. So you got your you know you got your full knife. You got you know your the one you're packing with you, and then you have a, a little caper. And that little caper, you I guess if you're if you're spiking out, you'd have it. At, you maybe leave it in your spike camp during the day. You're not going to cape them in the field, likely anyway, right? So, are you carrying yeah. that little um, caper with you all the time? Uh, but you're carrying two knives regardless, right? I mean, uh, just a general sheep hunting philosophy is I always have a fixed blade because I uh, I know how I can break uh, have a lot of knife. There's some that would just have uh, so I'll always some sort on me, um, and I usually sort and then I, I leave that uh that knife back in my uh my prep kit essentially I uh and that's not is that kit is uh usually about four pairs of of uh, latex gloves uh in a baggie with with camping knife uh as well so that uh gloves to sit there and work the next day or that and uh and I don't bring it on the on on the mountain every day with me. This is where. Cool. Okay, so now um, you're out in the bush. Uh, let, let's. I guess we'll we'll paint the scenario. Let's do a fly-in trip. You fly into the lake. Um, you got you know a mini base camp at, at there, and then but you're spiking out. So you you get your your you're gonna go off and and you're on. T so let's say we're a two-week trip. Um, 
and you know it could be anything in between but let's say we're going to go for 14 days you head off in the hills and you hike three three days back from um from the lake which guys can or can't do um so and then you you get a ram on the ground so you're you got and we'll paint this scenario a bit more you got two guys typical scenario two guys you got two sheep tags you want to hunt for 14 days you hike back you go in let's say you fly in a day before two days before the opener hike back and opening morning you got a ram on the ground so um what what's the first thing you get a ram down what's the first thing you're going to do around the, the taxidermy side of things how do we start approaching it what do we got to think about it and some of the questions that are on my mind are how soon do you have to get the cape off? Do you do you do you cape it first? Do you gut it? Um, that sort of stuff. What are we starting to think about with regards to that? First, have have like a swig of uh, whatever I have in my partner's uh, flask that he's carrying. That's the <laughs> important part. Something whatever you're, whatever that uh, the key to uh, to good taxidermy is making sure that you. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, gutless method uh whatnot most left into that type of stuff and i won't get into all that but uh i essentially treat taking the cape off as part of treasure. um if i had an animal uh, i would start uh a lot of people say uh when you're cutting uh up the back they say uh, from the shoulders all the way in between and I, I start by saying all the way to the tail. Uh, regardless, I just cut them down to the tail. The reason I correct people is a lot of people will say, cut up, cut up. Uh, sometimes damage to those fingers cutting up against the grain of uh, okay. That's for any animal, but the, the shorter the shows when a taxidermist has to stitch that uh, you've cut a bunch of the hairs off at the base or for or how cutting against the grain that'll happen with guys there's constantly sticking a knife in and pulling it straight up so i tell people to find um kind of between the ear towards the base of the horn and and I would run that blade from that tail. Um, it's it's the start of a, a kind of creating the lines that you want. That center line right down the the. Uh, sheep uh, stone sheep in particular usually have a pretty good marker on them. Uh, a lot of stone sheep have a little bit of coloration right on their spine, but really not hard to find that center. So one line straight down there, um, uh, and opens up back chops and whatnot for you to start the deboning process of making sure that you're uh, cleanly and 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 that portion. I start worrying about the backbones uh, or the sort of the back straps. Look for where I want to cut the cape off, and uh, this is probably one of the frustrating parts for taxidermists in general it's better these days i would say out there but take more i think you need that line where you're like okay this is like three inches more than and then go about two more than that and say i'm probably wrong so give it a little bit more 
I tell people if you want the as many options as uh, as you can on a sheep or a goat mount to find almost the center line of where a uh, the front leg and the back leg is in the in between the front and the back leg, and I draw a line right there, and I almost uh, away from anything brisket, in the chest, nothing with ribs, but I have extra inches to take. And then what you're doing. Uh, and I know exactly what you want for a cape. It's as tight as you think that you, uh, as you can. So I just tell people take more. Taxidermy before I learned taxidermy, I'd have taxidermists that would like, they would exclaim like, you know, you took an extra eight inches yeah. off this elk, but I've never had one complain and I've never complained to somebody about too much cape. I have complained person who has not left me enough cape and I, uh inexperienced hunters guys that have done multiple multiple sheep hunts guys that have, are trying to cut as close to the line as possible you need. run that line from the back strap to the center point of the stomach somewhere around there and do it on both sides so flip them over and you've got both sides and for a shoulder mount or pedestal mount, doesn't involve any of the front half of the uh, leg. Go to the uh, the knee joint and cut a circle around that knee joint, uh, and just you can take the the bottom of the leg right off. Anyways, you're probably doing that regardless by the time you do your deboning. Uh, but take that off and just leave it as a circle of the uh, around that knee. Don't worry about cutting up the uh, leg or anything. Those tapes. Uh, one area that people have problems with is trying to cut the back of the leg and they cut across an armpit. And if you don't cut across in the right spot, you'll often cut across right in the really limit. Uh, it limits how a taxidermist can hide a, hide a uh, stitch in a really short hair, especially sheep cape. So once you tube those uh, knees, you've pretty much made all the cuts you need to do off right up to the head. Um, you, you can back straps out before uh, you can you can take the front end down towards the neck and then take your your uh, and your deboning kind of in the same process one side flip to the, to the other side. I'm always really cognizant of trying to make sure that I uh, that I am watching where it's pouring or blood spilling on the inside of a cape i make sure that i kind of try to, to uh dump it off as i work minimize the blood on the hair especially uh goats and lighter colored sheep uh it can really make a difference in good taxidermy work is blood all over the cape dirt and that kind of stuff doesn't make a difference and it usually shakes off pretty easy even mud uh blood really stains hair bring that all the way up to the neck uh, right up, pulling it right to the base of the, base of the skull, just detach it, set it off uh, to the side and worry about your uh, meat prep. Before you go back to your meat prep, depending on the type of day, and uh, flip the legs back, those two legs back to uh, flesh in, and open up and up and let it get some air. It, it would find a little bit of obviously in the mountain that's a little tougher 
but open it up and let it get air. Even even breeze going across that is going to cool it down. Um, you don't want to roll it up at that point and throw it in a bag. You don't want to put it in a garbage uh, with a bunch of hide wrapped around it. Warmth and moisture are the two things that you're trying to avoid uh, and what you're trying to, to do. And it's the same as treating a cape the same way as treating the meat. Warmth and moisture in your meat uh, because that's going to create uh, the same thing goes with a cape. And that's what causes slip is bacteria uh, working its way on the follicles. And then that hair starts falling because it can't, it just falls out because of the. So open it up, let it get some air. That's the best time to let it cool, get its first cool on before you wrap it up. Especially if you have six hours back to a, back to a tent. The worst thing you can do is throw that out. No different than your meat. The worst thing you, you can do with that meat pile and, and then try to walk it back in a backpack for, for, five six hours so that's essentially once you once you've got that you know at that point i uh before i and I, the meat's all ready to go and i'm ready to pack out that's the point where i will put the hide skin to skin uh essentially backbone to backbone uh exactly as if it was lying you know on its side and i would together like that and then put it in again in your pack and walk it back to base camp. So, okay, so a scenario where you kill a ram at last light, um, you kill one at, you know, nine o'clock at night, get it caped out, uh, now it's midnight, um, you know, and, and you still got five hours back, you're probably sleeping on the mountain anyway or whatever, but, um, you know, how critical is that to get it cooled off? Is it... Uh, I guess the big thing is just don't throw it in your pack and leave it there for six hours, no matter what you do immediately after killing it. Yeah, even even as little of a thing, getting into camp at midnight and wanting to, you know, whether that's uh, or whether that's back to a base, the the littlest thing of just leave throwing your backpack down and, and going and having operation or going to cook up some meat or just crawling into your sleeping bag because you've been. A, uh, the littlest thing of just leaving that in a pack to just hold heat is uh, is a mistake that some people. Um, and that can be as simple as driving back from a day hunt. You know, you, you, somebody goes and they they, they shoot a ram on a day hunt. They throw that pack, that cape, right, and they drive for three or four hours back, or they take that pack and they put it in their garage or camp and they leave that cape in there. Before you go zonk out in your sleep, whatever you're going to do, whether that's all celebrating or not, uh, take that cape up. Um, it, okay. The best time, obviously, to, to get it out. So take it out, let it get some more air, cool it. Don't let it dry. Uh, I always tell you, I want to have a cape that goes, uh, that dries without salt because it, in fact, in places that aren't going to let the hide dry properly. But, but, let it uh, let it cool off. If you're worried about it drying up too much, even keep it skin, so that way that skin put that moisture together for that evening, and just let it dry. Um, drape if you're back at camp, just to get it off the ground and away from any uh, any critters getting into it is obviously super important. Up into a tree and just let it hang uh, hang out as well. You're probably going to be working on it first thing in the morning anyway, so it should be. Uh, in the morning, I guess. 
Okay, a um, couple things for you. It's raining out, so you get your ram down. You're in a rainstorm, or it's you know there's just a it's raining the entire time. Um, what do you need to think about then? I know you've talked about moisture and that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, trying to keep that cool. You can still cool it off, but now are you trying to keep the uh, the meat side down so that it, it's not getting rained on? Or how does what should we th- be thinking about with managing that with regards to moisture? Yeah, so moisture. I'll talk. Same time. So rain is obviously one. Uh, another thing about rain is things are going to cool down. So you're going to have one of the variables gone of that heat. Um, now you might have the, the one moisture uh, either via rain or via washing. I get to is that at one point you're probably going to have heat that'll mix with it as well. And moisture, regardless, is going to cause issues down the road. But a, that night is good because you're taking a lot of um whether you leave it uh the water just kind of uh, the rain wash off any of that blood etc whether you leave it uh skin to skin and let the water uh is going to be positive just letting it um, and you're gonna it, it's okay if that's uh, the same about the meat they don't like it's okay if that cape gets wet so long as you manage the fact that you're going to be taking that moisture out of it as soon as possible same with washing capes. Um, some people are strong advocates of, of not washing capes. Uh, believe that you should wash every cape. Uh, and that's why you'll get a little, even taxidermist, canneries. Um, I've washed, I washed my stone sheet, a bit of uh, blood on And I was gonna manage it. It was uh, August time that I killed on August 21st had been hot and sunny and uh, the river or in the little creek was uh was valuable get all that blood out then leaving it and just letting it letting it dry i knew i was going to flush it perfect lots of salt and uh lots of good air to get that thing dry so a really cold quick wash was good don't leave that cave river overnight or for uh you know a long around a little bit let some water drain off of it, it that's fine and no different than the rain it, let it uh, cool off let it wash both sides if you want um, you're going to be working on it uh, anyways and once you're back at camp you might have some issues with how you manage your uh, if it's still pouring rain um, and really gets job uh, but the initial getting wet for me uh, outweighs outweighs trying to keep warmth uh, etc that, yeah, I see. I see some guys. I see some guys that'll uh, sink it in a in a creek, and then leave it there overnight, and then throw it in a plastic bag, and that totally goes against everything that you just said. So that makes sense. People like the, the interesting thing about uh, Cape Everybody's had uh, success doing things. So they, you know, people, and on day, uh, you know. I just walked in five days later, I got it into my freezer and it was fine. Well, that's fine. Uh, I'm you're, you can do the same with meat. You can, uh, your truck box, uh, might not have any spoilage at all. Um, also do everything. So, so, uh, we've all had meat that were like, there was good. The temps were good. I had that stuff hanging. It was clean. Still, somehow had the odd bit of spoiling here and there, especially early season. Capes are the same. 
backstories of people that have done things, people that have carried garbage bags uh, with sheep capes in them and they've stayed warm and wet and they've left them overnight in, in rivers and whatnot. Um, you always have people that have, have bucked the odds of doing things wrong and still had success. Uh, but the challenge is you want to try to do as many things that you don't have to. So, yeah. I prefer a quick wash. Uh, I definitely don't like involving meat or grapes. Uh, and it's a short term. And uh, when I say like short term, there's nothing wrong with using a garbage meat back into your uh, back to your camp. Blood all over all your gear, uh, depending on what pack system you have. You just don't want to leave that that meat in week while yeah. hunting and want to do the same thing with your uh with your cape i'll throw a gar i'll throw a cape in a garbage yeah, you know, we, just get yeah. back but i'm not going to leave it in there for you know for uh even i am fully expecting to to soak the backpack i've got this year not even going to put my stuff into a plastic bag <laughs> just get it all bloody is that okay, Kyle? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's using my pack. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay, Trev. So a couple things there um, with, uh, with regards to getting, okay. So you've, you've killed your ram you're on the, the mountain. Um, you, you uh, have taken the hide off. You got the head off. Um, how soon do you have to start thinking about Cape and getting the, the head off the, getting the hide off the head. Um, so you, you wake up the next morning. It, it, I guess you want to hit it right away. You don't need to do it that night, I guess. You got a little bit of time, right? But you don't also want to wait five days either, right? By noon, you've killed a ram. You should be looking at doing it that day for a couple of reasons. You can, after you do it, the, the better you're off getting um, and And as well, uh, the quicker you are going to have more success regarding you know not often are you going to get back in a day get it out, out not that you're going to have they're going to do something the next the next morning and i'd be the next morning no different than meat if you've brought meat you don't want it on bone etc you're going to debone that's about the same time that you should start thinking about it as, as soon as you can with a two o'clock in the morning doing it when you don't have so you know you're just looking at the, the the first opportunity that you can obviously you have to make sure that you have all your your meat back to camp and whatnot if it's taking you a couple trips like you should be uh worried things first before cape but fry up, fry up a fry up, up uh, on a rock you probably decide some time and that's a mistake that some people make is uh, they want to keep hunting and they'll do it three or four days down the road because they want to maximize their hunt but properly it's not going to take you a whole ton of time to get it to a state where it's okay so now you you've you've got your ram you're back at your 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 spike camp we'll, we'll call it um you're still two three days from the lake um your buddy's still got a tag so you know you want to extend your trip there's rams in the area you're not going anywhere um and, but you're on the mountain, right? You're probably close to water. That makes sense that you're going to be close to a water source because you're going to need that anyway. Um, and we're early August, warm temps. Um, what are we thinking about on a couple uh, 
levels. First of all, what are we thinking about in re- with regards to um, I, how much of that salt, 710 mils, so you've caped it. Um, probably not going to go into the details of caping here because it's pretty hard to have that description, but you can talk about caping a little bit and then salting and then about cape management in that kind of scenario. Still in the mountain, yeah. um, hot hot temps, you maybe don't have trees, you're probably not because you're, you know, maybe there are some trees nearby. What, what are your, how do you manage all that? Yeah, you bet. So next morning, whenever you're going to cave, I'm going to detail all the caps that I like to do. Um, you're going to cut to the base of the horn on a sheep or a goat by a cut. That's right before you're either going to create a lie up, you're going to go right up between the horns and cut each one of the horns. Uh, people use both ways, the different stitch technique. Uh, you know, making sure it all land together, but just doing it and then, then around the base of the horn, uh, on a, on a sheep or a goat, it's a little bit more important that you around the base from, from the outside rather than on a deer or an elk or from the underside. You see people use like a screwdriver or something to, to really assist with those. Pull all the hair down with your hand, a sheep and a goat. You want to pull all your hair. Around the base, down with your hands, and you want to take that up and cut right at the bottom of where that horns and it starts turning into hair. Because those horns and around the bases, there's always a little bit of a softness there. You want to find that and cut the entire way around. So just do the entire thing once, so that way it's right down to uh, the the cores essentially. Uh, back. Make sure you take enough around the ear socket, a big area where people have issues with. Um, I do even even the uh, cut around the horn. What I do, look them straight in the eye. So I put the nose and the mouth straight up towards me, um, and I pull the lips back and back to find where the gum lips attach. Uh, I could. It's very hard to visualize, but if you can imagine, you know where. Uh, where a cowboy stuff pinch it of uh copenhagen in between is where you want to find that that attaches to the gum line and i take my knife and i cut along that gum line it's better to be a little bit into the bone on the uh or take too much where it attaches to to the uh to the gums uh, really good point on stone sheep when you're sitting there staring at that sheep in the face that you're, you should be also thinking about, oh, I have to make sure I take an incisor tooth off this thing. And it's a good reminder when you're looking right at them, uh, cutting that uh, cutting that line. I'll do it around the top as well, and I'll start coming a little bit cavity, but I don't go too, too far. I mainly just do the... Uh, and then... Uh, Back at the eyes. At the eyes, if you can imagine the same thing, you're looking at the lips of where the your uh gum your your gums. What you're looking is for is the inside of your eyelid where it attaches. If you were to pull your eye an eyelid straight out, all that uh all that extra skin that a actual eye is is what you want to take as well. And so you put the into that eye eyelid and keep pulling it away and cut bone as you can with the knife this is what dulls up but this is where you want to really cut right into the eyeball 
expand that membrane of the entire eyelid. The more eyelid you it's, uh, it, it's probably the number one area it's cut. And it's so, an area of the mouth that looks really important is having really good eyes and, and stitched up eyes, et cetera, just for you. Uh, and uh, on deer, uh, miss and sheep, they make sure again that you're bone. This is a really, if you ever want to find the, it's caping because you're running that blade along bone. Um, and you should get that you're not finding right in title on that, on that bone. You're not taking enough or you're going to cut a gland wide open or off or something because you're trying to, uh, to, to cut in between. So that, this is the time where it's all right to just cut along a long bone uh, and dull that blade up a bit. Uh, you get down to the nose and you'll find where that nose cartilage, it's no longer bone. And if you're good knife work, you'll feel that it's soft, cut straight down. Cut that hollow out that you in every skull. Like if you've looked at any skulls, you'll see that hollow of the nose in that nostril. Um, and pretty interesting point about like nasal swabs and whatnot. I listened to Jack a couple episodes back and he was talking about nasal swabs in different areas, um, on especially in bighorn. Um, one day, uh, one of the things that would be really yeah. ideal is having those test kits in the field where uh, you can do all your cape prep, but also before you go and take that off and your salting and dry everything up, you can take a nasal swab there, pack it back, uh, and, you, and you have all that information that variables it's going to change after everything else. See what, what the bios uh, come up. With nasal swabbing and, and herd health and that kind of, but uh, you're going to take all that cartilage essentially out as well. Once you've got down closer to the gums, you've made those cuts. You're just going to come right to where you've cut. The whole tape is going to come off, and uh, like uh, worry about cleaning up your skull, whatever you're taking out. Uh, you yeah. have the nose and the uh, and the eye socket. Sheep or sheep. Um, and then. You're essentially moving uh, cape prep, and and that the, that's the part that really starts scaring people where they uh, they haven't planned and they don't need salt, and they don't really know why it needs salt or why you know Trev told them salt, and but they know they have it and they know they're supposed to thing with that cape, um, and I've salted at that point um, and have you know. Fluke success and uh, you know half jobs trying to figure it out. This is a spot where you really want to try to, even if it requires buying a taxidermy video. To um, there's some really good videos of the show about splitting is, is uh, and splitting in terms. But splitting is taking all of that that I talked about, like the uh, your lip skin and your eye. Uh, and your your salt to get in there, and salt won't penetrate meat. It won't penetrate fat. So you have to create you know, uh, exactly the the closest layer of of skin underneath the the hair to get. And when you're thinking about what a taxidermist needs, a taxidermist has cape that's tan, and it has 
extra skin from the lip and all that extra skin from the nostril skin from your, your eyelids and it, that is the material that is or to create depth in nose uh, and to create lip lines where a, a lip looks like it's been tucked inside the form uh, so you want to make sure you keep that all intact and that's where you know one it's very the fine details of splitting but it and it's a, a little bit, bit of uh, I'm realizing you need to open those areas up that you know they talked about in your lip that uh, where where it but it also is a, vi a visualizing inside of your lip you want to flip that completely around so it's flat and lands and it's just a seamless uh, transition from your jawline beneath your jaw to your lip line and then continue on to the inside of the lip and that's opening all that up you're gonna have flesh and whatnot that you're gonna have to flesh off uh, around, uh, you know around the lips and whatnot. Uh, but that's all you're doing is opening things up to let salt get in. Uh, so, Trev. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, quick question. So, when you split the lip, like it, you know, usually, and, and I'm not great at this, so this is um, something impactful for me. But you split the lip, and you kind of try and split it down the middle, right? Like, um, is that what you want to do? And do you flesh it at all, or do you just salt it? Because typically, I split it and try and get it as far as I can, and, and that's the hard part is trying to go as far to the edge of the lip without, you know you know, cutting the lip, um, on the outside. So you split it as far as you can. Do you, do you flesh that or do you, do you just salt it? I don't flesh the lip side, uh, like okay. the actual side, but I'll, I'll flesh the yeah. hide side. Um, and I'll flesh, okay. the flesh in the hide side is, is where the, like, uh, uh, chin where they have a little bit of a growth on their, like a fat their chin, especially. Um, and yeah. up around that and whatnot, or they're going to be a little bit of flesh in there. A spot where you okay. really just take your time and slowly start it off. If you start seeing or fleshing off some meat, if you start seeing, you're good. Don't go any further. If you start seeing hair follicles, because back off, come out of the, don't, you're, you're getting, it's great. take out any. If you go along feeling the thickness of that hide, you can feel thickness from hair, but you shouldn't be feeling thickness from muscle, meat, etc. So you just want to open that up. Some people, they'll take a, they'll take a knife, crosses in it, cross hatches in that that flesh, uh, salt to get in there, and that's the poor man's is essentially creating, you know, valleys for to get in there. Ideally, you just want to get down to skin without getting and get that salt there. But the skin, the the nostril side, the uh, side, I don't worry about uh, about flushing that any thinner than it, than it could be. And when I I try to get as close as you can without poking it through, I've had a lot that's going like, you know what, that is as close. I'm okay stopping because they've left, you know, of of uh, of a little bit of a lip poking through all the time and splitting them wide open. And, and ears are kind of the same way. Uh, an ear, what mm. you want to do is you turn, essentially, you're going to flush a little bit of meat off the canal, but there's no danger in, in flushing that meat off the canal. There's nothing really delicate. 
that you're pulling all that meat off of that ear canal uh, that you've left on. And here, all you're doing is turning that ear inside the whole way around. People sometimes get, you know, millimeters away and they just want that last little bit and salt will penetrate that last millimeter or two millimeters and a taxidermist would much rather have the salt right there and then open them up myself all the way to once it's back from the tannery. I'll, I'll make sure that I go right to where it and that's not to say like that you well you know salt will penetrate this inch and a half but you, you don't have to be say people make is they want to be perfect on to the and then they go through and ears that happens quite a bit people once you do your first ear you should side out ear next to a in ear and hold up if look if are, do they you know are they close to the same size they should be similar if they're substantially not, or they're not close to the same shape, you know, a, a sheep has that nice round, a big, uh, it's, it's a big oval almost on the top. And goat has a has a really long, spindly, uh, spindly, and, and bends down, points downwards. So, if all you've got is a round edge, you have a fine bit where it starts bending down look at one the other way and then once you do the other one look at it from and compare them you can turn them inside out and right side in a couple of times and see what they but uh but you don't have to be you know down to the millimeter on an ear you can do the best job you can without blowing out and, and a lot of people blow things out and then it causes uh causes i think probably i'll touch on really quick or probably a little bit more delicate work than some people are comfortable with. I've never had a lot of people have issues if they don't do a really good job on their eyelid. If you get that's good. There is a gland in there that uh, they can hold a lot of oils. But most cases I've seen, if you uh, you know if you're not super comfortable turning an eyelid, uh, you have to get some salt in there. Uh, and I, I don't often have issues around an, an eyelid. Most of it's aren't turned properly in the field by people that don't. Um, and a nostril, for, you're looking for the center point of a, that nose, and you're trying to get to it. So all that cartilage is going to be in the way. You have to run a knife through the through the uh, septum of the nose and make sure that you split each one of those nostrils into separate uh, tubes almost that are coming off the nose. Sometimes there can be some flesh around uh, the bait. Anyway, really you think that a, go a goat or a sheep can use its muscle? There's going to be some uh, some yeah, from, from them being able to, uh, to manipulate it, right? So they're moving, their, they're constantly moving their lips and their nose and whatnot. Uh, some extra flesh in there. Yeah, and that's actually once you have that, once you have all that face stuff done, that the the stuff that really scares people. Uh, and and you flesh stuff off, of, you know maybe you've washed that hide off, and you hung it in a tree. Hour after it, uh, after you hide a little bit, or you've given it a couple spins around, uh, throw some water off it. Once once you've got all that hide or uh, <clears throat> excuse me fat fleshed off.
like that something. Um, 110 milliliter bottle is going to seem like it's not a lot. If, uh, if, if it's in my garage and somebody, uh, somebody saw how much salt I put into a sheep cape that was, uh, they don't even compare when it look when you look at under a 10 milliliter bottle is going to do. But a 700 sparingly and used right can start the drying process really well for you. Um, what you want to do is so go ahead. So with that, you're going to use the whole bottle. You're going to use the whole 710 uh, to, to salt it the first time, correct? Correct. And correct. I'm going to use the whole bottle that first, that full, use it sparingly throughout. So I'm not going to try to uh, save it or try to make sure that I concentrate on the face and get into those areas that I've just turned. Uh, and I'm going to push, you know, all that, all that stuff. Maximize it. If it hits in one spot, I'm going to let that stuff stick. Get to the areas, the edges of the cape that sometimes roll in, push it right out to, um, and go every little nook and cranny. If something hasn't got touched by salt, it needs to be. Um, and you'll, you know, even with a cape that size, 710 milliliter bottle will, uh, will be stuck on everything and it'll start pooling water. By the time you're even done making sure that you're rubbing it in, you'll start having, uh, you know, what looks like sludgy butter almost sitting on top of your cape, and that's totally fine. Just let that salt keep working. Kind of where after using that first bit of, you look at and go, what's the weather doing? What do I? What are my plans? If it's if it's a nice clear, leave that out open with the hair down. Up and I'm going to let all that salt go to work. It's going to start salty water all over it. I'm not going to leave it right in the blazing sun because I find that that blazing sun, that's, you know, you're starting to fight with that whole keeping it cool as well. Put it in the shade, but I'm going to let it get breeze. I'm going to let that salt do its, do its thing. It's raining and pissing rain and you're having a, a really time. You don't want to leave that, that cape out anymore. So you have I've done uh, back at a base camp. I've done taken a tarp and put it over top of that and let it lay flat, and let that water tarp and it buggers off away from the from the cape, so it still is laying flat. We don't often have that luxury in a sheep camp, but if you have a silt tarp that ha that you put some of your gear under or your uh, put it under there and let it sit there for a bit, so underneath it or running all on top of it it's actually fighting this in its job the, the other alternative, alternative and the alternative that happens at night regardless for me what i do is to so to make sure that uh this is that we don't have to worry about like a heat uh trapping heat in there right now it should be nice and cool you can roll that cape up into the game bag and you can hoist it up into a tree off the ground, and you'll start noticing that that thing starts dripping salt water throughout, regardless, because I just don't trust the fact that I'd wake up in the morning and a wolverine is taking my my cape for a chew or you yeah. know or something is, has come and, and screwed around with it. I'll uh, do it even if it's clear October, or, um, but especially in the rain, that's a good opportunity there to put that. 
where it's not getting poured rain on and the salt is where and it has to move camps uh you maybe out hunted that area you're going to be traveling with that rolled up like that your buddy 110 milliliters of salt um and that's a key he still don't use it that first day um you, you're everything you need out of that first bottle so the second you're probably going to carry it around because i don't know if your buddy's going to carry after you're the successful one you might have take the bottle from him uh camp and you're going to use that a couple days down the road um and they're dependent and it can be a little bit of a feel of when you're going to use it. I'll be trip dependent if you're decided to pull the pin at one point you know that you're going to use it but save that for a couple days um and that's what's going to that's allow you to keep hunting uh till what or whatever it is um my system on a, on a two-person hunt uh for essentially what i'm going to do the next day you know if, if you've had that thing dripping all night do some do its work again if you want you know let the that sludgy salt uh water drip out of it and and um and to the hide work it uh around as you're uh just make sure you're not missing spots, um, and that that'll that'll give yeah. you sure. So you're looking two, three days, no problem with that, and just kind of playing it by ear, seeing what the conditions are. Um, what what are we looking at in terms of if you got really really warm weather, you don't have a lot of uh, you know shade that sort of stuff. Um, do you, is there ever a scenario where You'll throw it in a bag and throw it in the creek, like a perfectly sealed uh, bag, and, and put it in the creek after it's after it's done done its thing for a bit, drained a bit. I've never I've never done uh, that myself. Um, I, I you know it's kind of the same argument with meat too. Uh, is that I've had I've heard of people that have had really good success putting meat in in a cold cold creek. Um, uh, one thing that we did. Um, you know, on my sheep hunt with the meat and the cape at one point was we found a high water, which you probably are anyways, uh, or you're in a really weird, you know, camping spot for the rest of your 14. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be as dry as that sheep cape is by, by day 12, probably. But, uh, I created a little bit of a, of a refrigerator, uh, where I, I found a good rock on a, on that Creek and I created a rock igloo almost, uh, around it and over it where the, the coolness of that Creek was then keeping the rocks cold and keeping a sunblock with, uh, with those rocks as well. We didn't submerge. Um, it, now keep, if you, if it was, if it was loaded up with salt like that and rolled up and it dripped off, um, really the, by the time it starts getting heat, uh, it's not, you're not going to have bacteria growth because that salt's doing its job. And really by day two or three, that salt, you're going to notice that cape start firming up and whatnot. And at that point that heat's a bad thing for you, that cape is probably going to dry faster than, than you did. And it's not going to cause you issues. So the heat is important when there's no salt on something, uh, salt on it, you know, I don't put it in direct sun three uh i'd leave it out and and just let that salt if there's way more value to letting it dry it loses weight it's it's drying which is the whole 
essence of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to dry that thing yep. up so that it'll stand almost if I hold it sideways. So you're going to deal with your mornings are still going to be cool. Yeah, you might, you don't want it in direct sun for, you know, the entire hunt, but uh, you'll find that if you manage it properly, no different than your meat, uh, you, you're, you're going to have six. Rather, just have that salt doing its job. So, okay, sounds good. So now you got your you got your out. You you're you got you're good for about three days, depending on how much it drains. You're keeping and you and this is something you're thinking about, like you're checking at night. You're not yeah, you just yeah. don't deal with it and throw it away, right? You're you're checking on it. You're 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 opening it up, getting that moisture out of there, rolling it back up, putting yeah. it away. Um, now, so after three days, that salt's probably done. So now you're gonna you know, open it up, clean it up, get all that crap out of there and you're going to resalt it. How much of that 710 on that second bottle are you going to use, Trevor? Are you going to use it all or just sparingly or what's your thoughts there? I'm, I'm, uh, and there's a couple. Okay. Now, if you, if you had own wrenches in the wheel or in the plan and whatnot, in a B places or if you're, depending on what you're doing, but I'm probably using it all. And there's a couple of reasons why I can, I can dry that sheep. 710 on probably day two or three or whatever it is probably day three um and that is is if i've killed on day one two uh i've given it three to let that salt and again yeah like you said i'm, I'm looking at it every, i'm checking my work and i'm going like i'm, I'm feeling and that's actually with that cake right no different with the meat um by day three of that salt working six or seven of a hunt um kill a ram if you if you use that extra 710 milliliter bottle that your buddy yep. has and you can he kills a ram the next day trying to be line back to wherever the heck you are so whether that means leaving you know your animal at the camp and having to pack out twice and you you what i do is i concentrate on guy shot his ram now and we've used his salt up now we can get the heck out of there with his ram lake or back to the highway or back wherever we want to do if we need escape we've got extra salt back there so we can do that before we turn back around to go get more meat or we can just start actually marching and start packing for it and regardless the goal is likely for most people to get back to base after you've killed that second no real reason to be staying up there so if that means it has 12 hours before you get back three or four days away you may start thinking of what how am i get probably the day three you likely aren't shooting another going to put you in a spot where you aren't going to get out by day 14 because two people two rams is going to start becoming um to get out on a three or four day hike but my is always that i use that second one up um the time i really would be is if we dub, you know, double teamed on day seven ten which would give you a rest day at camp you know to collect everything and, and do your stuff wait off the cape and then you'd both use that 700 maybe the next day or the day after whatever you um but using half of that 710 isn't really going to help the next ram so much because you're still going to have all that processing time and whatnot of uh of take after you start going like 
the, the second if we end we're relying on that base uh, to really be the important uh, factor Okay. Awesome. So, okay. You, you got your two Rams, you're headed back or even just your one, you get back to this, the base camp. Um, you know, so maybe you're, you're day five or something, day four or something like that. Uh, what kind of work are you doing there? Like you just, you get all the old salt out, do a really good job, get it drawing if you have the opportunity and then salt the heck out of it with what you had as much as you can. Do you go overboard on it type thing or? That's, that's not overboard on it. Cause, uh, I brought it, so I may as well use it. Have one sheep back to camp unless that stiff you know and you can hold it you can hold it in it where uh where it's it's not anymore and it's starting to dry up you've done your job you should uh drive home and don't worry about it but they're never going to be stiff out uh that's when i'm going to take that bucket load salt up in all the areas again i'm going to face in as much salt as I can. Uh, I'm going to roll it right back up to the. Uh, There's a drive on, you know, you may find that you do that on day. By then, you've got enough good cape prep. Have that thing loaded up and it'll be fine. And then when you get yeah. home to your garage, again, um, almost, almost to that the final step by then you know and, and see let let them have a look but by then that cape's going to be uh, pretty dry and uh and and, and done all its work but yeah, yeah I, okay I so you're back, back at base cool okay so you're you know you, i was going to ask you about how you you get do the drive home and i was going to ask you are you stopping in fort nelson and grabbing you know some bags of ice to throw the cape on or are you and you kind of answered that question that if you salted it properly you're good to go right so um yeah so yeah you good. get home you, you won't need... sorry sorry go ahead uh, or anything if you job you okay so you get the uh you get the cape home you got your ci um, that's maybe going to take you a little bit of time to get that compulsory inspection done. How soon are we getting that cape over to you so you can start working on it? What does our time frames look there? You don't have to worry about it. That cape, you can drop it off a couple months later. Um, and, and at that point, if you've done really good cape prep, you're, you're, uh, if the cape's not dry, uh, people will need a freezer regardless and let the salt, uh, Thing freeze the freezer is not really just keeping any warmth out of it if the salt this a few uh errors just confident in doing all those splits and whatnot the cape's still pretty um like flappy or malleable and it's it's fleshy still Hard thing to put it in the freezer until you can get it to somebody to have a look at it and this way i need to do something Starts firming up though. You've essentially done everything you need to do. You could nearly as important as it is for the fresh. Okay, cool. Uh, any words of wisdom for people bringing their cape in? I guess they need uh, some paperwork for you and that sort of stuff. What What do they need to do when they bring their cape in and their horns in? Ti, uh, um, uh, all your contact info, of course. Uh, the CI is. 
Um, again, making sure that you yeah, have that tooth. That we tell people to do that. Uh, leave a little, like a little tag bag right in their uh, right in their tag bag, so that way when they pull out their when they pull out their sheet, they see that dime bag and and they're like, oh, I need to, I, I got to make sure I take that tooth. Last couple of years or some changes. Uh, the dime bag and wondering something else, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, you should, should be, be able, able to. to uh, readily accessible uh supply of dime have a friend or a neighbor that's a little shady uh just... <laughs> but uh, it's a good reminder uh other than that just ci doc um the horns and whatnot the horns will have to be removed from the cores and whatnot by a taxidermist in the uh week after you get um so the, most taxidermists like getting them sooner than later to uh to start that process of cleaning the, the and, and popping the horns off and whatnot. Uh, that's, about, that's about all uh, all you need. When, when... Uh, another okay, thing cool. I didn't really hit on uh, that's important is that hopefully you've taken a ton of pictures. Pictures with you, but pictures of like side profiles, uh, the actual animal itself. Set is an interesting one. Uh, so, pictures of, of sheep on on the angle, scale, etc. Uh, those pictures always are, are really help that affects your deer care well, etc. As well, just take take a number of those photos, and and that way you've got them. as well. Cool. I never thought of that. That's a good point. Great. Um, okay, so. Is there anything else we're we're missing that you know for for maybe an experienced guy? Any tips or tricks left that you know, we've covered kind of everything? But is there anything where you're thinking that you know last words of wisdom or things we should think about that uh, um, we kind of haven't covered yet? Oh, I'm just looking at resources. Uh, looking at resources, always taking too much. Um, take your time, uh, especially if you have a in your pocket. Taking your time and making sure that you're not. Uh, possible um taxidermists you know well you know taxidermists can fix it uh, and they can't uh you know i've I, i've mounted i've had 14 15 inches of, of stitching um you know in it, definitely in their neck and whatnot um uh fix a lot of stuff however the lethal uh, the easier it comes together and the easier form because things haven't had to be pulled into different you don't have to hide things um it's a lot of things but uh the cleaner product you become uh better product you're going to have and that thing's going to come together for uh for a taxidermist and a very very small side of that that can come to selection as well um Especially talking about, you know, people know that belts, uh, all sorts of places. Um, like, you know, don't take a shot if you want to ruin. You can ruin a heck of a lot more than just on a critter tumbling down a mountain. Thinking about that as well is uh, is worthwhile. It's just, again, just cutting a whole pile in something is, is having something. You know, ripped off. 
and just from falling down off a cliff and uh, broken arms and, and gouged out eyes and, and busted out noses and lips and whatnot. Um, should just be the process, let alone the safety of getting into something and recovering it. Cool. Um, yeah, that's great advice. Um, okay, so now uh, let's talk a little bit about you. So you're a uh, huge supporter of the Wild Sheep Society BC. You've done a ton uh, every year. You're donating to our fundraisers. Uh, we've got our Barney's Ultimate Sheep Camp. Every year you donate that um, a uh, shoulder sheep shoulder mount to that. Um, you've done a ton of support. Um, I know also through the work that you do through Rackmaster Taxidermy, you donate back to the society. Can you talk a little bit about what you do there with regards to that? Uh, yeah, obviously, like you said, I'm a, a government employee in my full-time job. Uh, and I get back in my part-time job as well as I can uh, through the business. Uh, and I'm a strong believer in membership and whatnot. So I've run a couple where uh, if you have in a shoulder mount too, either bought your membership or ship off of your mount if you were a member uh, for any team memberships for different people for that. And, uh, and uh, I take $100 and I don't take it to the, uh, to the society. I can, I do that in combination if you haven't, if you haven't membership as well, I make sure that uh, we take care of them. Which, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully everyone is who's out there uh, chasing sheep and goats yeah. in uh, BC. But we, I get some Alberta uh, and customers and clients that uh, that will shoot a uh, sheep in Alberta or in a different, uh, and I'll make sure I buy them a membership BC as well, uh, just as my members and uh, and giving back a little. That's awesome, man. We can't thank you enough for all you do for the society and all the support. And uh, you're obviously a big driver in our membership uh, stuff. You're always promoting and it's gone a long way. Uh, whenever we have a, a membership promotion where uh, you do a referral, you're always winning that cup. We stopped doing it because it was like, well, we'll just give Trevor the award anyway. Because I think that one year you signed up 37 members or something. It was ridiculous. So um, yeah. yeah, really grateful, man. So for anyone that wants to get work done, I know that you are, you're a super busy guy with your taxidermy. You've got more work than you need, but if somebody's interested in checking out your work, I know you got a new price list out. How do they get in, uh, get in touch with you? Um, just talk a little bit about Rackmaster Taxidermy for our listeners. Yeah, you bet. Uh, Instagram and Facebook are probably the easiest to find me. Um, just rack on both, uh, uh, you know, forums and whatnot. Uh, the odd people uh, and you can find me personal uh, book as well at Trevor Carruthers and uh, yeah or at uh, the Camloops you know, 2022 uh, we can always chat and uh, yeah the great thing I have really good taxidermists I, it's a huge I don't uh, like you said I am have enough work right now that uh, I always goat work uh, and other work, but key to have some really, really good taxidermists in the province that, that all seem to contribute to society uh, in their own ways. Uh, I've been just reaching out and asking, uh, referring to some of the other great guys in the province. Uh, it can 
searching products and finding finding tax versus trying to drive things. Not so. Uh, lots of good guys out there. Reach out, and I can go uh, to your chat about you know getting something delivered. That's fantastic, Trevor. Uh, can't thank you enough for taking the time today. And uh, I think this, I, I learned a lot on this one. Like it's, that's the thing I've been, I've been on the mountain a few times and uh, I learned four or five great tips today that are going to help me going a long ways uh, on the mountains. And hopefully this fall when I put, put a ram down. So thanks for all your time, all you do. And uh, hopefully I'll be giving you a call with my goat and my sheep this fall with uh, put you to work. So yeah, thanks for having me on, man.